Calgary Next is powered by Calgary Economic Development. Calgary is the place where bright minds and big ideas come together with an unmatched spirit to help solve global challenges. Our guest this morning is the fabulous Kelly Stripe, the founder and owner of Mode Models International. Kelly founded the agency when he was 20 years old, scouted exclusively for Eileen Ford at Ford Models Inc., and grew Mode to be one of the world's most influential agencies, representing top talent worldwide. Kelly won the Fraser Milner Casgrain Pinnacle Award for Outstanding Achievement in Entrepreneurship, was named by McLean's Magazine as one of the 100 Canadians to watch, and hit the top 40 under 40 by Avenue Magazine four times. Kelly's the event chair of the renowned Look Gala for Contemporary Calgary, and recently raised over $1 million. That was just in June. It was just it looked like a fabulous event. Good morning, Kelly. Good morning. Good morning, David. Good morning, Tara. You know, Kelly, the one question that Tara has is that how how can it be that I wasn't discovered yet as a model? <laughs> well, how do you know you're not discovered already? You just rushed me in here so fast you never gave me a chance to get a card. <laughs> you know, Good seriously. Answer, Kelly. You can see he was just about to hand you his card. And we have to stick to time. And so if I don't give it on the way out, it won't make the air. <laughs> That's exactly right. Uh, that's okay. I'm beyond my prime. <laughs> there you have it. No such thing. So, I don't think so either. <laughs> um, you know, you started when you were 20 years old and you went big. And our show is about, our Calgary Next is about being an entrepreneur. So go back to your 20s. What was the one thing that you did that made you kind of going international? From the start. Okay, well, I'll tell you, I always loved fashion. And I grew up in a very small town in Alberta. And so my bedroom was always like all the tear sheets from GQ magazine and stuff all over this big cork wall. And so I was always really interested in the fashion world. And I had aspirations of wanting to be a model back then. So, you know, I would dream about taking runway classes and stuff myself. And I, um, so I kind of fell into, you know, that's just a passion personally. And then when I got um, a job at Le Chateau, they opened in Bauer Mall in Red Deer, which was like a big deal. It was like, <laughs> Le Chateau is coming to Red Deer? Wow. <laughs> but it didn't last. They, um, they closed the store. And so when they closed the store, I went to work for um, McDonald's. And that's kind of a funny story all in of itself. But that obviously wasn't a good fit. But the thing is, is that, that I, I think for me, I didn't really plan on being an entrepreneur. But I realized early on that I had um, chutzpah, it's been said to me over and over again. Mm-hmm. And even when I applied for the job at McDonald's, I, you know, the application forms at the tail says attention moms, you know, <laughs> fill out, you know, if you need a job during the day. I filled it out in a red pen being very obnoxious with my friends because we walked across the, the uh, Gates Avenue to go there and I got the job. That's what's so funny. I filled it obnoxiously, like just being a crazy <laughs> showboat with all my friends filling out in red pen. And I wrote in the top management position only for McDonald's South. And I don't know if you know anything about their model, but you start on chicken pie filet and you work up red grill and you go all the way up to be a manager. But I did get hired off the street at McDonald's as a manager. So I think really, I don't know if it was so much destiny like that. I well, it was destiny, but I don't know if I was like um, planning on opening a business or if I just sort of fell into it. But it was definitely 
a track that was meant for me is to be an entrepreneur because I wasn't great at working for others because I have a real strong mind and a very distinct vision. So my story is not one where I plotted it out. I was very blessed and I fell into something that I'm very, very good at. And really, I was told to sort of do what I do. Hmm. So when was it a moment where you're like, okay, I've always liked fashion. This is where, but why modeling and how did you decide that I got, I've got a flair for this. I know how to pick somebody out of a crowd and know that they're going to become a top model. Okay. Well, this is a bit of a long answer, but I'll give it to you. Good. Let's go. So I started taking pictures of people I thought were good looking in high school and I would pick, you know, interesting kids from school and different people. And I love taking photos and oh my gosh, when I look back on those photos now, they are something else like standing at a Pac-Man <laughs> game, like in Le Chateau mini skirts and stuff like that. But anyways, and I didn't realize that I could see two dimensionally. Like I could see what the face looked like flat and that's a gift. Like a lot of people, you know, women think men are very handsome or attractive or guys will be like, oh, she's so hot, you know, like a cheerleader or whatever. But they're not necessarily what will make it as a top fashion model because it's two very distinct things. Like the way the face photographs and the, and the bone structure and the spacing on the eyes and the mouth is very different for modeling than, let's say, um, for what people think is hot, right? And I didn't know I had that gift. And so when I was working at McDonald's, I was actually actually giving out these Kelly Stripe promotion cards over the till and that's why I got fired but it was actually a blessing because the thing is is that from that I was forced to start doing fashion shows and scouting even more and then I heard about this big modeling conference that was happening here in Calgary at the Weston Hotel and so I drove up from Red Deer and I had what was back in the day called contact sheets you know you'd put all your 36 pictures on one sheet and you'd pick with the loop like the ones that you like the best and when I showed them to the scouts that were there from different agencies around the world, Ford being one of them, they were like talking, like, you know, when you, you see on American Idol, like they go up and they sing and then they're all talking. They're like, wow, did you just hear that? Yeah. I sort of got that response from the agents. They were like, this guy has got an eye. Like, look at these girls. And I was listening to them talking. And that was my first realization when I realized that they were sort of like, you know, gagging, like going, oh my God, like he's got, these, this eye of these girls. And then they said, how did you pick this girl? Why did you pick this girl? And one of them was Kim Renenberg, mm. which is a girl I'd found at North Hill Mall here in Red Deer. And I, I mean, sorry, in Calgary at North Hill Mall. And I knew she was going to be the next Christy Turlington in my mind, but I didn't realize that I was right. And so I was told, you've got a very good eye. And this scout called Karen Lee, she worked for um, an agency called American Models at the time. She walked me around the block. And that was quite the walk because at that time, Third Avenue was like where all the prostitutes oh, and stuff yeah, were. Right. This was back. Well, I, it, actually, no, because I'm only 27. So, that the, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm an old guy. So that's what Karen on that walk said, you know, you really should open your own business. Like you have a skill, you have a talent, you're very good. And so very shortly thereafter, I started looking in the dictionary at the French word for fashion, which is mode. And I opened Mode Models. Mm. And there's a few little bumps along the way in there, but I started an agency. I asked my dad for $5,000 and he just about croaked. He said like, no, well, you're not opening a modeling agency in Red Deer. <laughs> so my brother-in-law, Bob Dietrich, he actually co-signed a loan for me for $5,000. And I bought some of the material from one of the agencies I was working for here in Calgary, like their curriculums and stuff to teach and these little runways to walk on. And I started Mode Models in June of 87. 
and then it translated into like how'd you learn the business side well, I, yeah, fast very yeah. fast and furious because what i realized and this is why when i do speak to youth you know i because I, I like these questions you're asking right now it would be really nice to be able to tell a young person how to find a job where you never work a day in your life Right. Mm -hmm. And I live that life. Like I, my work is who I am. Like, I don't feel like I need a day off or well, I do, but do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Like even at 56, I still, um, I still get just as excited when I scout a new face and I'm still just as on top of it as I was before and into every little detail. And so I have a really good team now working for me in the agency. So I don't need to be as hands-on in the day-to-day -day by any means. But the thing is, I still really care. And so how do you teach kids or how do you, like Terry said, Terry said, learn the business? I didn't. I made a lot of big mistakes. You know, I almost went bankrupt twice. But then at that point, my dad was very supportive. You know, I started, we won the Supermodel of the World contest. And all this happened within the first five years. We made big success. And then the Ford agency sought me out um, when they said, you know, it's not just this one girl, this girl here. It's this guy, you know, from Central Alberta that's finding all these faces. It's not, you know, where, why are all the great girls in Alberta? You know, and as it turned out, I opened a few licensed offices and it's true. I could find them anywhere. I could open in Lathbridge or I could open in Boise, Idaho. And I know I could have a successful agency because I know exactly what I need to find. So I so learned the road of hard knocks. Question, yeah. Now that you look at me, where, where am I on that? Are we still there? Huh? <laughs> Are we still there? Can you get this guy an Evian, honey? Because I think she is so thirsty. Like, honestly, I feel some dehydration in this room right now. Like, and there's good calcium in there, too. So you won't worry about your osteo. It'll like, I'll talk about that after. That's another podcast. Okay, getting the calcium in your bones, honey. But anyways, Kelly. the reality is, is I didn't. I learned the road of hard knocks. And so... If, you, if I may, I'll tell you what I did with that is I learned a way. I was asked to speak probably 15 years into my career at the Camrose Teachers Convention. You know, when you get the weekend off and the kids get the yeah. Thursday, Friday. And I thought, how can I tell kids to find their perfect job? And I started thinking, there were so many tells in my life growing up that I was meant to do what I did. And so I looked back and I thought, so how could I make this practical for a guidance counselor to tell a student or a new person? And I formed this thing where I said, okay, if you formed three columns on a sheet of paper, okay, and um, on those columns, the first column, you sit down and you dream and you write all the things that you would dream to be. So in mine, it was like a model and all these different things. And then... This is going to be the hard one. You need to go to your mom and dad or your grandma and grandpa and all those people who your whole life are saying, you know, Tara, you were always so good on piano. Your fingers are so long. Like you should be a professional piano player or a ballerina or whatever. And write those things down. Even though you rolled your eyes every time your mom told you that you should be this or should be that. And then you have to go write an aptitude test and find the thing on there that, you know, If it, and answer honestly, if you answer it the way you want to do, you'll get terrible results. How practical does that sound, right? But when I look back on my life, growing up, I wanted to work in fashion. I wanted to promote people. In grade five, I had my friends form, their moms all sold these kiss costumes. And I threw concerts in, in John Wilson Elementary in, in Innisfail for 50 cents a pop. I would take 25 cents. The other four band members would split the other quarter. And I would throw concerts like the Look Gala in Llewellyn's basement in Innisfail. And so I was a promoter. And so I realized 
you know, it was in my blood. Right. And then my grandma, when Trisha Helfer won the supermodel, I did play with Barbies as a young kid. And so when she won this award from the Chamber of Commerce, my grandma said, you know, Ellen, he always played with Barbies and now he's playing with real Barbies. You know, <laughs> and the thing is, and there was Trisha Helfer standing beside me and she was a real Barbie. So I found if I was to go back and do what I did, I found the perfect job. Kelly, I feel like you need to do a TED Talk. Uh, Maybe I could. I, I feel like this is might be a next step for you. This is very inspiring. We have to take a commercial break. We'll be right back on Calgary Next. Calgary Next is powered by Calgary Economic Development. Calgary is the place where bright minds and big ideas come together with an unmatched spirit to help solve global challenges. Calgary Next is powered by Calgary Economic Development. Calgary is the place where bright minds and big ideas come together with an unmatched spirit to help solve global challenges. We're back with our guest, Kelly Strait, owner of Mode Models International. So, Kelly, um, I'm a little bit older. And when I was younger, Twiggy was the the big thing. Mm -hmm. Now she looks like a person. At that time, she looked like a stick. How does the model, the, the model world changing over the years? You know, that's a funny and <laughs> controversial question. Let's just go there, and I'm not scared of it. Um, oh, boy. Where do we start with that? At the beginning. So, at the beginning. Well, first of all, it hasn't changed. Okay? So, people say the industry goes, oh, they're like making the girls a lot bigger now, or they're using a lot more diversity. There's a token plus model in the show, maybe two or three. Um, there is, you know, the diversity card's much better because of the Black Lives Matter movement and all of that, and I'm thrilled about that. We've always been an agency that's been very inclusive, but it's, how do I answer that question? Well, the bottom line is, they've always wanted models to look like the mannequins you see in the stores. And so there's a very specific measurement to be an international model, And that measurement is what they use for the shows because they cut all those clothes in one sample size. And then they use those samples to produce all the magazines and everything. So you get mothers saying, can she just do beauty or can she not do runway? But really, it's the same group of models that do all of it. So Twiggy at the time was very, very thin. And, um, and she did very well as a result of that. But so were the other girls. She just happened to be more thinner than the rest. But the thing is, is that if you notice now, they're saying there's so much more diversity in size and stuff, but the girls are just as thin. If you watch mm -hmm. the Sailor Laurent show and whatever, mm -hmm. if not thinner. And so it's a thing that starts from the top. It's the size the designers cut the samples in. And I don't know if that will ever change unless um, the fashion houses all do it together. Because as agents, we have to provide... We still have at Mode a real good cross-section of sizes, you know, and shapes and ethnicities and whatnot. But if you want to work and make it really big, you need to fit the mold. And if you don't fit the mold, then you'll have an average career. Now, social media has allowed for people to create their own careers. And that's all shapes and sizes and diversity and personalities. And it's exciting. <clears throat> But the high fashion world hasn't really changed, I'll be honest with you. So there are some people in the world who are naturally thin like that. That's right. And that is their body type. What about the women who get into it at very young and then go through puberty, um, start to fill out, and then are trying desperately to get back to that whatever size they need to be in? To me, it looks like a double zero 
at, on like a, an 11 foot person. You know <laughs> what? So you're, tiny. you're right. And that's the hardest part about my job. Because yeah. as you can see, I mean, your viewers can't see right now, but I'm very, very curvy. And so I don't mind a curve. Okay. Like <laughs> I'm okay with those curvy I didn't, bodies. I didn't, I didn't notice that. You just notice yourself because yeah. you look in the mirror all day long because you want a model. I know. We'll get to that later. But the reality is, is that I'm curvy. Now you can look at me now. Okay. He's looking there. Thank you, everybody. Anyways, the bottom line is, is that it's the toughest part of my job. So we have two choices. One, we don't encourage them to be the measurements that they should be to succeed. And we don't have any superstars, like in terms of high fashion superstars. Let's get very specific here. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or we... Try to help them in a healthy way be the size they need to be. But we're very careful because you can tell by bone structure, you can tell by many things that a girl is not going to be able to achieve that. Or like you said, Tara, she's had puberty, she's changed, the body's over. And we've had many transitions where the girls transition into real life. We have touch wood, you know, no horror stories. And the thing is, is of still great relationships with those people because we're very honest and open that way. I'm never going to be the agent that will encourage them constantly to do that just for the sake of making a buck because you have to, I have to sleep at night. But the reality is it's a fine line because the other side of it is when you become a ballerina at the national in London or an Olympic athlete, they sacrifice a lot. They're up at five o'clock in the morning. They eat a rigid diet. They listen to psychology tapes before they dive off the diving board so that they're like a split second or whatever. Like these are milliseconds difference. So the intensity of being an Olympic athlete, right, is hard. It's incredibly hard work, taxing on the mind, on the body, everything. So to be an Olympic model, which would be what we would call a supermodel, you have to have the same discipline. So there's a fine line. You want them to have the discipline to take care of themselves, to be the best shape they can be in for modeling. Okay, but you also don't want it to cross that Rubicon to go into eating disorders and and mess with the heads. Mm -hmm. Right. And so you don't want to pressure them to be so thin that they're going to be unhealthy. But you also don't want to say, well, throw this opportunity away just because you don't want to have a meal plan and um, a very specific workout schedule. And so do you understand? Mm -hmm. Like I could easily let everyone just let it go, but there's a lot of girls that can easily be that size. They just don't want to put in the work, but there's many that can't. Is it healthy? Is it possible to be that tall and thin and healthy? Well, we have lots of healthy girls. I mean, you know, Heather Marks is still the same size. She was in the runway and yeah. she's healthy. You know, Trisha Helfer just came back, 49 years old. She did the look gala. She, she, is, she looked great. Uh, she looked great and yeah. she still fit the sizes. So the thing is, is some girl's bones, now she struggled. Her weight yo-yoed a little bit through her career and so did Heather's. But the thing is, is they found a zone where they could be a certain size and that's where they were going to sit. And so I'm not an expert on this. All mm-hmm. I'm there to do is listen, support, and do our best. We have about 90 seconds, and let's talk about, let's talk about a Luke Gala and the success. Mm-hmm. Share with us. Uh, well, it's a, it's a gala that's been going on in Alberta for years. It's been going on since 2014. I started chairing it in 2020, so this will be my third. And it's just the event of the year. It's to raise funds for the Contemporary Art Gallery. And the thing is, is that Contemporary Calgary is in the old Science Centre at the end of the C-Train tracks, which is a gorgeous, brutalist structure. Um, the theme this year was brutalism in the building, but more importantly, the people that work there and the people that come. Because what we're trying to be is that safe space for arts and culture in the city, a place where, you know, transgender, 
um, gays, every cultural diversity person can come and feel safe and enjoy our programming and enjoy our art and come for the art, stay for the art. And it was a big success this year. Huge success. Just because you chaired it. Well, I don't know. I wouldn't go so far as to say that. I mean, but I do get the opportunity to attend a lot of very amazing events around the world. And I bring that je ne sais quoi back to the city and pour my heart and soul into it. And I think we can see the results of that. We definitely see the results and keep on doing that. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, no question. One thing, we do have a little bit more time here, about, about a minute or so. Um, Why'd you stay in Calgary? Because people don't see it as being, you know, the fashion central of Canada. It's a long story, but the short, the short part of it is, is when I started making it big in New York, I got into, I saw the rat race that that would be. And I saw at one point in my career in New York in my 20s where I could have gone down the rabbit hole. You know, I was hanging out with Chris Farley a little bit and we saw what happened to his life. And I didn't want that to happen to mine. And so I took the mature decision at the ripe age of 20-something, I can't even remember how old it was, and Ted told my friend to pick me up at the airport, Todd Towers, and he did. And I came home and I never went back to work full-time because I realized it was a part of my friends, but the same, I'll say same poop, same poop, different pile. <clears throat> and so being in the social scene there is no different than being in the scene here. And you can get caught up into a lot of ugly stuff. And I saw that maybe happening to myself and I didn't want that life. Kelly Straits with us this morning, the owner of Mode Models International. Thank you so much. For thank sharing you, Kelly. So much. Thank you. We also want to thank our sponsor, Calgary Economic Development. Uh, they sponsor us, the Calgary Next Show. So without their support, we would not be here. So thank you. Thank, thank you. you. And I'll send you my book. Thank you. I'm waiting. <laughs> Calgary Next is powered by Calgary Economic Development. Calgary is the place where bright minds and big ideas come together with an unmatched spirit to help solve global challenges.